0: Welcome to Zenergy, the interactive podcast providing resources for building a better life. I am Zen Ashe. I am your conduit, your coach, and your catalyst to that better life. A coach draws out hidden potential in a subject. A conduit provides a connection and a catalyst sparks change. So today I am here with an author, uh, Kevin Eastman. So say hi to the people.
1: Hello, everybody. Thanks for having me.
0: And we're going to talk about growth. You know, Zenergy is all about trying to live your best life, the urge for more peace and fulfillment in life. And we are all, I believe, on a journey towards self-actualization, trying to be our best selves. And we're all looking for tools and techniques to try to get there. And so I feel like this is a platform where we can talk about those tools um, and try to not reinvent the wheel, you know, try to see how other people have been successful, move forward, uh, things that have helped them, things that they're using at the present. You know, stumbling blocks that they've gotten over, obstacles they've overcome. So we can get motivation, inspiration, and also some guidance and help. Because I think, you know, we can learn from each other, and we're, we're each other's best teachers. That's kind of my philosophy. So I wanted to invite him on, and he picked this topic of growth. So. What what made you pick the topic of growth? Because I normally have about ten topics up at a time. So when you saw that one, what made you say I want to talk about that?
1: Well, it 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 was it was like I, my my eyes were drawn to it, and the reason it was because my book is all about growth. It's all about shifting your mindset, and to to uh, uh, reiterate what you said earlier. You mentioned a lot of things that I talk about in my book. You talk about stumbling blocks. You talk about obstacles. You talk about, you know, uh, self-actualization, you know, you know, a tongue twisted there. But, um, you know, you talk about a lot of those things that I talk about in my book. And I had to go through those things in myself in order to uh, to change the way and to get to where I am now. So that's one of the things that drove that drove me to that topic. I was like, okay, this is right up my alley. I can talk about this all day long.
0: Awesome. Well, you know, when it comes to my life, um, I feel like I have been probably five different people. And I just finished reading two books. One is called Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself by Joe Dispenza. Mm -hmm. And the other one is called Evolve Your Brain. And in that, well, in the first book that I started, he talks about how people think they are who they are. They think that they are a personality, but we really aren't. Everything that we are is learned because when we were born, we had genetic traits, but none of those had begun to express themselves until we had an environment that nurtured certain things in us and then we began to express some of those traits and then depending on whether we were praised or whether we were criticized we might have chosen to pursue one path and not pursue another and also every time we acted we actually began to wire our brain a certain way so he talked about how like let's say for example you are starting to practice piano The first time you practice, it's horrible. Second time, fifth time, 10th time, still horrible. But what's happening every time you practice is you're actually wiring your brain and you're making circuits, you're making connections in your brain. So after a period of time, you become a piano player and you can say, I am a piano player. Sure. And that's become part of your identity. But it became part of your identity by action and by repetition And if you stop doing that for a long time, you would get rusty. And it would take a little bit of time. You might not ever forget it because it's always still wired, but you would get rusty and you wouldn't be as adept at it. So he was talking about basically when we decide to grow, what we have to realize is that we actually have to unlearn and unwire, in a sense, our brain. We have to prune. You know, our brain is plastic. They call it neuroplasticity. We actually can, as we do new things, those old brain connections fall away and they become kind of cut away, pruned away. And then we create new, new brain habits, new brain wiring. And so we actually, in a sense, become new people. And so that's, his book
1: is- used- the, 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 And interesting. And, and I say that because I actually okay. mentioned that in my book but his 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 philosophy is a little bit before mine because i I talk about how people are you know they a a personality becomes hardwired it's hardwired in your brain that's what makes you who you are and and what you do and a lot of people um what they end up doing is they they get in their own way you Mm. know and 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 you have to learn to grow you have to learn to get out of your own way you know, so you have to know those personality traits that you have and what you do. And if you want a different result, you have to do something different. And that's what I had to learn. You know, it was, it was difficult because you, I, in a, in the process of my maturing, I actually, um, I had, I found out that I was not myself. I was the person I thought people wanted me to be. And, you know, then I had to kind of go, OK, wait a minute. Is this really who Kevin is? And it's like, mm, some traits, yes, but a lot of traits. Nah. So let me go back to to center. You know what makes me me and that that made all the difference in the world.
0: That is a very powerful statement. And, and in that book, he talks about a gap. He says that there's a gap between the image that we show to people. And who mm-hmm. we really are. Mm-hmm. And the more the bigger that gap, the more frustration that we have, the more loneliness that we feel, the more we feel like a fraud, and imposter syndrome. And he was saying a lot of times when people hit the midlife crisis, that gap has become kind of irre- irrecy- like irreconcilable, like they feel like they have to deal with it. And right. some of them act out in all kinds of ways because they just, where their image is, where their life is and where they saw themselves being, where they wanted to be, the person that they, they imagined, it's just gotten too wide. And they just are like, oh my God, you know, my life's almost over and I'm not where I wanted to be. I'm not who I wanted to be. And they just have this, you know, freak out. Sure. And so it's, it's, you know, interesting because I've been through that too um, when I got divorced for the first time and the second time. I was like, okay, who am I? I'm not a wife now. So who am I? And I know people wanted me to be a wife. They wanted me to stay married, you know, because society sometimes gives you stigmas about certain things. Um, being divorced, oh, you can't keep a man. And even though you're the one to file for divorce, you can't keep a man, you know? If <laughs> I wanted to keep him, I wouldn't have filed. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's kind of crazy, but hey, you know, so that who am I? And what am I doing with my life? And where do I want to be? Where do I want to go? What do I want to do? I've gotten to this point in my life. Have I lived the life that I want to live? And and asking those questions and even having the courage to ask those questions and to look look at yourself, look at myself. Because sometimes people will bury those questions in shopping and food and sex and drugs and
1: busyness. Oh, of course. You, you 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 shift your you shift your focus on something else. You know, one of the things I talk about in, in my book is a, uh, where a person will say that's a problem, you know, and and it's easy to do because as long as that is something or somebody else is the problem, the problem cannot and would never be me. So you have to you know, those are tough questions. You know, I can I have something to blame my misfortune on other than my own thinking. You know, and, and I, I uh, chapter four of my book, or yeah, chapter four is, a, is, I titled it, The Fear of Winning. And a lot of people, they'll see and go, like, oh, wait a minute, I'm be afraid of winning. Yeah. You know, and then you look at it, and what I talk about is uh, how a person will intentionally engage in self sabotage. And they know the, the, you know the information or the activity won't end well for them. But as long as they are focused on something else, they can say, oh, was that that caused my problem instead of, oh, it was my thinking. <laughs> and, I, and that's yeah. a tough thing to do. You know, the realization that your thinking is what has caused the problem.
0: <laughs> that's true. Um, and there's a lot of books that talk about you succeed to the level of your thinking. Like you make as much money as you believe you're worth. You take as many risks as you believe you're worth. You get treated as well as you think that you're worth. And so when you want better, you actually have to. I heard one author say you have to expand your cup. So you have to, you know, if Mm -hmm. if life is trying to pour into your cup, if you have a tiny little cup, you can't receive very much. But if you expand your cup, you expand your capacity to receive, you expand your sense of worthiness, you expand your Um, self-concept. I'm not a person that just makes $60,000 a year. I'm a person that makes, you know, $100,000 a year. And I feel comfortable with that. I don't feel like, you know, rich people are crooks or, um, and not to say that's rich, but I'm just saying some people would have this limit on what rich is. So, or, you know, I don't feel, I don't have these negative ideas about money or success or whatever it is, you know, whatever it is. Um, so you're right. Our thinking can get in our way and we have to change it. And, um, you know, I wrote a guided journal and, and part of the guided journal was about getting people to ask those questions and answer those questions. How do you see yourself? Who are you? What do you want? How do you feel really about these things and write it out and then look at it? Because sometimes when we write, we see things as we're writing that we didn't really notice until we actually started to think about it and write about it. And it just kind of comes out.
1: And so well, that, that's hard to do. And the reason I say that is because a lot of people are they get stuck within the boundaries of the comfort zone. They have that that circle, you know. I feel comfortable right here. I know how everything works inside of the circle, so I'm going to stay right here, you know. But it, one of my favorite books that I've heard in life, it says your comfort zone is a beautiful place. The only problem is nothing ever grows there, you know. So it yeah. it, it it when I what I try to do is tell people, yes, the comfort zone is great, but all growth takes place outside of that. So you have to go outside of the comfort zone. And it sounds like a daunting task until you realize that journey, if you will, outside of the comfort zone is only a one step journey. It takes that one step and then you take another and another, and then pretty soon steps become easier to to accomplish. So once you, once you learn that it, it, growth actually becomes a lot easier than a lot of people anticipate. What I tell people when I talk with groups and what have you, I tell them there are only two things that stop a person from uh, taking a different course, either fear or pride. You know, they're either afraid of what they're going to have to do in order to achieve that step or they don't feel they need to take it.
0: That's very powerful, fear or pride. That's very, very powerful to to realize it's either your fear or your pride. Mm-hmm. Um, I I I really like that. I'm probably going to quote you <laughs> on that. You know, um, I have dealt a lot in my life with fear, not maybe as much as pride, with pride, but you know, one of the questions that I started asking myself years ago, probably about five or six years ago, I used to be one of those people that would say, oh. You know, what's the worst that could happen, you know, or man, this could happen. That, this is bad. But but what's the best that could happen? And, and the thing is, we can't even conceive of the best that can happen. And that's where it becomes kind of exciting because, you know, I have seen that one step lead to so many things. So, mm-hmm. for example, four years ago, well, let's go back six years ago, I started doing spoken word. Didn't have any plans on doing anything, but getting up there every now and then and doing spoken word. And then like two years later, that led to me having a show. Somebody just came up and said, Hey, can you create a show for me? And I started doing live comedy, music, and poetry shows. Then when that got shut down because of COVID quarantine, then people were like, you have a great voice. You should do a podcast. Okay. So taking another step, we're talking about growth, right? Yes. Growth requires you to come out of your comfort zone. I said, okay, well, the first time I moved out of my comfort zone to become a spoken word artist, I was nervous. I was like, I've never memorized a piece of poetry before to perform. I've never performed in front of people before. My mom was like, you, you know, you memorize other people's poems. Why couldn't you memorize your own? You are a teacher. You're in front of people all the time. Kids, no less. And you can keep their attention. You can keep attention of adults for three, five, three to five minutes. What are you worried about? You do this for a living. And I was like, she's right. You know, so I I stepped out of my comfort zone, right? Became a spoken word artist. Then, okay, I don't know how to do a show, but give me a month. Let me talk to people. Let me figure out how to do a flyer. Let me figure out how to do some marketing. Let me figure out how to get people on my roster. Let me figure out how to sell tickets. Let me me talk to people, figure this out. So I'm moving out of my comfort zone in all these little areas. Yes. And that leads to all of these different shows that I did, then, okay, I don't know how to do a podcast. I'm going to take a class, you know, took the class, didn't have, didn't even finish the class. It was like 45 lessons. I did like 25 and started the podcast. And then the podcast led to two books. Well, three actually, two that are on Amazon. The third, I haven't put down Amazon yet. So you don't know what's the best that can happen, you know, so I stopped asking, you know, well, man, what's the worst that could happen? I started saying, what's the best that could happen? Because when I look at my life, things you don't know, you don't know, you know what I'm saying? So you just have to take that step and allow your life to unfold.
1: Well, and and here's the, the thing. And, and here's the thing of what I, I try to tell people. It's like you look at it like in two ways. You look at it, possibility and probability. Mm. and a lot of people live their life and they react to the possibility and you have to look at it like for example what i put in the book okay there is a possibility that you can get robbed if you're walking down the street it's it's possible you know not because possibilities are endless you know but if you walk down the street looking at every person as if they are going to rob you you are going to look crazy (laughs) 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 you know so, so if yeah. you look at it in that sense, okay, there is a possibility that you're going to get robbed. But what is that probability? You know, naturally, if you you pin a hundred dollar bill to your shirt, you increase that that probability of getting robbed. But a sensible person is gonna do that. You know, so you have to kind of you have to kind of weigh the options. Yeah, I had a supervisor that was wonderful with me. And he told me one time, he said, uh you can find a million reasons not to do something but you only have to find one reason to do it and i'm like whoa okay that makes sense to me he, he said you can you can always talk yourself out of doing something because you can always find something wrong but you find that one reason that makes you go for it and do it
0: <laughs> i think that's great advice and it reminds me of uh, the book the five second rule And she basically said in that book that uh, our brain isn't wired for success. Our brain is wired for survival. Mm -hmm. So if you get an idea to take a risk to move out of your comfort zone, if you give yourself more than five seconds to think about it, your brain will come up with a reason not to do it. So the goal is for you to say five, four, three, two, one and act. Because, you, know, when you
1: start- I, it's funny, I, I, I never thought about five seconds. You know, I, I spent like 10 years as an Air Force recruiter and I used to have people come in all the time and they say, I'm looking to join the Air Force. Uh, I like what you say, but uh, let me think about it. And I would give them 72 hours. I would say, OK, you can go think about it, because after 72 hours, you aren't trying to find a reason to join the Air Force. You are trying to find a reason not to. You're trying to talk yourself out of doing it, you know, because you had the interest already when you walked in here. All I did was provide you with the information you needed. And now you want to think about it. Now you're trying to find a reason not to do it. And I said, Well, if you don't call me back in 72 hours, I know that you have decided you're not going to do it. Because after that, you're not thinking about joining the Air Force, you're thinking about something else.
0: Yeah. Another book is called Blink and it's about how they did these research uh, experiments with people who were either taking a long time to deliberate and the people who had made kind of what they would call a blank decision, like within, you know, three to five minutes, they made a decision. And the people who made the blink decisions actually were happier with their decisions mm-hmm. you know, and they felt more confident because they were following their gut. They were following their intuition and they were also realizing that their brain could process a lot of things in a very short amount of time and they were just going with their gut you know well the hard
1: hard part about intuition is I'm not saying anybody should ignore it because Mm. it's there it keeps us out of trouble but a lot of people you have to look at what are actual intuitions and or or what are the intuitions we are driving ourselves to believe (laughs)
0: that's true that's true That's true. So what made you um, release your book, write your book? You know, what made you decide that that that's what you wanted to do? You know, that that's what you felt was needed, you know?
1: Well, for me, I I actually I, I started with a series of essays. It was just for me to reflect on, you know, and then I started reading it as a reader and not a writer. And I'm like, whoa. You know, I'm not the only person that can benefit from these, the what I wrote, you know. So I decided to publish the book, you know, and 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 see if I can help some other people who have been in the situation I've been in. Because there are a lot of people in the world that don't know who I am, but they know who I was. And the reason they know who I was is because they are living what I what I went through. And I may never meet them. But they will at least have a, a chance to, if they pick up my book, they will find out, okay, this is a real person who has gone through adversity and, and found effective ways to overcome those adversities. So it was like, okay, it made sense to me to, to release the book.
0: Yeah, that's um, a powerful thing. You know, when I was young, right, I wanted to be a writer, but I wanted to write novels. And uh, then I became a poet. And then when I got into the podcasting, I would talk about journaling a lot and how much it helped me to clarify my vision, help me get in touch with myself, help me to find lost dreams. And people would say, "Oh, why why did you start journaling? And, and how do you journal? What do you write about? Can you teach me?" And I was like, Yeah, I can, I actually can, you know, and I created uh, my guided journal and I had never, it never would have ever occurred to me in a million years to write any kind of self-help book ever. But that kind of came out of people asking the question. And then I was like, yeah, I I can do that. And then I released it because I was like, okay, if this could help one person, maybe it could help dozens of people. And and
1: what well, I hard actually, part, you know it's the hard part, and the reason I say that is because you know particularly in our community, African American community, you know, ain't nothing ever wrong with anybody, yeah. you know, <laughs> you know. But I always say, well, there was nothing wrong with me either until I found out there was. You know, so it, it it it's a tough genre, you know, and I that's why I, I try to not label my book itself, and label it as self development, because what I try to do is use what a has inside of them and build upon that. You know, let's let's establish a foundation and then start building from one step at a time, and that's how my book is designed. is designed to introduce me to the, re- the reader and 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 tell them where I where I, where I was. And then establish a foundation and show people step by step how I got to where I am, you know, so it it was it took a lot of a lot of uh, design and intention to put the book the way that it is all the way from the imagery on the front cover. It was like, OK, there are a lot, there's a lot that goes into this process of growing
0: there, there is a lot that goes into the process of growing. And, you know, I do call my book self-development too. The first one is a guided journal. The second one was a memoir and, and I always tell people I didn't really want to write it. It just kind of, there came a day when it, I started writing it and then I realized I'm writing the book, you know, I'm writing a memoir that's going to tell people how I started. I started here walking out of the courthouse, divorced, having no confidence, feeling like a failure. And then over these seven years, I changed my life completely. Um, and and mm-hmm. there is a vulnerability because you're you're releasing your memories, you're releasing your your pattern and your path. But you're also I, for me showing mistakes, showing um, you know oh, absolutely. What, what I mean for
1: me writing 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 my book writing my book was complete therapy for me you know in a sense you know it was like okay i had to relive a lot of lessons that i had been taught by so many people throughout my life and and it i had to go and rethink those things it's like oh okay yeah that that makes sense now you know now i get it you know now it makes perfect sense you know and and like you i was divorced before you know and i went through a period where i was angry, you know, I, I was, I was mad at everything, you know, everything's wrong with every woman, you know, you know, that type of thing, you know, and then, then I started looking at things, you know, taking a step back and looking at the bigger picture, you know, that, that Mm -hmm. probability versus probability possibility thing, you know, Is, is there really something wrong with every woman I date or could it possibly be something wrong with me? And then it was like, eh, that's more like that's more probable that there's something wrong with, with what I'm doing. So it 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 actually helped. And I had a, a fantastic mentor in the Air Force that I dealt that I had for a while. And he, he gave me, he asked me two questions and it completely threw me off. But he he, he asked two poignant questions. The first one was why do you insist on shortchanging yourself? And I was like, God And he said, I've heard you listen to. I've heard you blame any and everybody for your misfortune. Have you ever looked in the mirror? And I had no answer for that question. And he gave me, he gave me 48 hours. He said, I want you to go back, look at the scenarios that you are pissed off about. And then you look at your, your role in that situation. It may not have been the determining role, but there may be something you could have done differently. That had that could have shifted the outcome of that scenario and forced me to challenge the way I thought. And I found a lot of things about my personality that I like that I had complete control over that I can change in an instant. But it it just took somebody bringing that out to go, okay, yeah, you might want to shift that a little bit.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, um, mentors. Mentors are key. And, and a mentor may not be um, what people think it is. You know, mm-hmm. a mentor can sometimes be someone who's in a position of authority in your life. And sometimes it can be someone that you don't like that speaks into your life. Um, I see. I OK, there's a saying that probably everybody has heard people come into your life for a reason, a season or a lifetime. Mm -hmm. And there's another saying that a lot of people have probably heard, which is that when the student is ready, the teacher appears. And that teacher can be, (laughs) that teacher can be um, someone that you, it could be a romantic partner. It could be somebody you go out on a date with. Um, It could be, you know, a a coworker, it can be a pastor or some kind of spiritual leader. It can be a therapist. Um, so in my book, I spent a lot of time talking about the different people that came into my life and spoke into my life and challenged me in different ways. Um, some of them I didn't like at the time (laughs) and some of them I realized the value of at the time. Some of them, I didn't realize the value of till much later because what they said I didn't like or what they said I wasn't ready to hear. Mm
1: -hmm. So
0: growth, we're talking about growth. Sometimes growth is someone saying something that you like, like your mentor said, look in the mirror. Why are you going through this? Why do you keep making this mistake? Why are you shortchanging yourself? As he said to you, you know, why do you keep falling in the same hole? You know, um, I, I did another podcast, it was called Alignment, exactly. and there's a story that, uh, that many people might have heard, and it says, you know, a man walks down a street and he falls in a hole. And then a man walks down that same street the next day, but he, he sees the hole, but he still falls in the hole. You know, a man walks down the street, he sees the hole, he walks around the hole and doesn't fall in. And then the man walks down a different street. Because he's actually realized he doesn't even need to go down that street. That is a dangerous path that has these obstacles. Because he can take a different path. And so sometimes, you know, we have people pointing out to us, "Stop falling in the hole! Why do you keep falling in that same hole? Don't you see?" You, you know, you,
1: <laughs> you 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 just used you used a, a perfect example that I use with my daughter. I tell her I tell her this a lot tell her, and, and instead of using a hole, I use a banana peel. I say, if you are walking with your head up and you're not looking around and you step on, step on the foot, what's going to have to slip and possibly fall. And every time you walk into that banana peel and you're not looking at it and you step on that banana peel, you're going to slip and possibly fall. You are going to do that be- until you learn to either walk over the banana peel Step around it, you know, look at it and avoid it, change directions, whatever the case may be. Pick it up and put it in the trash can, whatever you have to do, because the banana peel is not going to change what it does. It has made people slip and fall since they've been invented when somebody steps on it. But what we try to do is instead of adjusting our behavior to the circumstances, we expect the circumstances to adjust to our behavior, and circumstances can't be changed. A banana peel is going to make you slip and fall if you step on it. It just, That's just going to happen. You know, it's the same thing when somebody is banging their head against the wall, expecting the wall to move, when all you have to do is take two steps to the right and walk through the open door. Mm, but yes. because I don't want to change what I'm doing, I'm going to keep beating my head against this wall, and eventually this wall is going to move. No, it's not. <laughs> Right, right, right.
0: And you know, one thing that I have realized also is that lessons don't always come gift-wrapped the way you want them, you know, like slipping oh, on a my
1: banana: a It sound, you, you sound like my dad. My, my dad <laughs> told me, don't don't ever turn down an opportunity because it doesn't come, come wrapped in the package you're looking for it to come in.: mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You know, we look for the we look for the pretty bowls and the, the colorful paper and all of that. When the pe- the package that's wrapped in the plain paper bag will do the same thing because it's not about the outside appearance, it's about what's inside of it.
0: Right, right. And you know, I heard um, what is his name? The rich dad, poor dad guy, Kawasaki, I think his mm-hmm. name is. He was yes. talking about growth. He was saying that sometimes when you want to grow, you have to take some steps backwards. You know, um, he was talking about how he wanted to open a different business, but he realized he didn't have the skills. So he decided he was going to intern. So he actually left a more lucrative job to kind of humble himself and go and intern in a position so he could learn everything about that business from the inside out and then move forward and everybody's like why did you leave this job you were making all this money he's like because i have a bigger picture and i know that it's going to require me to go back to this step and gain some skills gain some knowledge gain some exposure and then i can move forward you know so sometimes sometimes growth is not um, a lot of people think growth is this straight Arrow upwards. And it's more like a I'm going up and then I have to go down a little valley and I have to go up and I have to go down a little valley and I have to go up. It's more of a zigzag where you have these mountain experiences and then you have these valleys or setbacks that you have to learn from where you may have to go back and get some training or you may have to evaluate what you're doing, reflect on what you're doing, tweak what you're doing. You know, and then you move forward or you may even have to rework what's going on up here because you have actually reached the limits of your mindset. And before you can move forward, you got to go back and say, OK, what what in here is limiting me? What in here is not in well, alignment? The, with
1: that? You know, so. here's the thing I, I always tell people, if 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 what you know is not getting the results you want. Why keep doing what you know? Why not try what somebody else knows? You know, Mm -hmm. because apparently if you knew what works, you would already have the situation resolved, but you don't. So you might, the the only alternative you have is to try what somebody else knows, because what you know is not solving your problem.
0: (laughs) Right. I I got you. Um, You know, knowledge is power. But knowledge needs, it needs other things. You know, I, I just read this book by Paulo Coelho, who wrote The Alchemist, and it's kind of an interesting book. It's called Brita, and it's a fiction book, but it, it talks about like male and female energy. And it said that male energy is knowledge, but female energy is transformation. And when you put knowledge and transformation together, you get wisdom. And I thought that was really beautiful because sometimes we have knowledge, but we haven't let it transform us. And so we have no wisdom. You know, the knowledge is basically sitting there dormant. It's sitting there um, in in its state of potential. But until we actually transform by applying it, by using it, by letting ourselves let go of whatever the previous way of thinking was we don't get that wisdom you know I thought that was a really powerful well, you way know, of you know
1: where you know where that comes from you know where that comes from <laughs> where did that come fear from our cry so fear say that pride. again
0: you broke up a little bit you said what
1: it, where it where it comes from is either fear or pride.
0: ah that's true that is true <laughs>
1: And it, it, it reminds me of one of my favorite quotes I've heard ever in life. It's by Dr. Rick Rigsby. Uh, he said in a speech, ego is the anesthesia that deadens the pain of stupidity. Mm-hmm.
0: Wow. Wow. <laughs> you know, um, when you were talking about fear and pride, it brought up a, a experiment I saw on YouTube And it was called the five monkeys. And these scientists took five monkeys and put them in a cage. And they had a ladder in the center of the cave with a a bunch of bananas at the top of the ladder. And so the first thing that the monkeys did was saw the bananas and they started to climb to get the bananas. And the scientists soaked them with cold water. And every time a monkey would try to climb that ladder to get the bananas. They would get soaked with cold water. So they basically conditioned them that even though the bananas are right there, if you try to get them, you're going to get an unpleasant experience. Then they took one of the monkeys out and put a new one in who didn't know anything about the cold water. So the first thing he does start climbing the ladder and all of the monkeys in the cage beat him up. Mm -hmm. So what they did was over time, they replaced all of the monkeys so that there were five brand new monkeys in the cage. None of them had ever been soaked with cold water. They had never had a negative experience regarding these bananas. But when they put another monkey in there that you know went up the ladder, the five monkeys that had been conditioned by the original group to be beat up, They beat up the new person, even though they didn't know why they hadn't, they didn't, they, the new group of monkeys, the new group of five monkeys, plus the next one had never been soaked with cold water, but because they had replaced them one by one and a conditioned each one, right. When they got in there that they got beat up trying to go up the, the ladder, they basically had learned don't try. Don't try to get those bananas because this group is going to beat you up. We don't know why they're going to beat us up. We just know they will. So the whole point of the Mm -hmm. experiment was to try to see if people, if animals, people would basically in a sense perpetuate a behavior, not even knowing why they were doing it. And the thought was, yeah, people would act the same way that people would, some people, of course, are outliers and they're going to go for that banana no matter what. But a lot of, of us, if we get a negative reaction from our peer group, even though we don't know why, even though they may not be able to even explain to us why they're reacting so so negatively, we will not go for the banana because our peer group has well, shown you not I, accept I, I talk
1: about that, you know. I talk about that in, in my book in, in chapter six I, I titled it Haters and How to Deal with Them. And and one of the things I learned about in my life was um we we there are three reasons a person would hate. One, they see you as a threat. Two, they they wanna be you, so envy. And three, they hate themselves. Uh, not necessarily hate, but you know, they dislike something about themselves. So seeing what you do with your life has Reminded them about something they have done, they haven't done in their life. They've always wanted to do. It. So I, I learned those things, and it was really interesting because what I found is uh, instead of dealing with the hater in my life, I realized I was a hater in somebody else's life, and that was a tough thing to accept. And once I learned that, it's like you know what, me having all of this anger towards this person really is not affecting their life. Limit. You know, the only person that it's affecting is me. So that goes back to those monkeys. I did not know why I was doing it until I realized why I was doing it. You know, so those monkeys were doing the same thing, you know, it started off with cold water, but eventually the cold water stopped and I was just beating you up because I, was, I wanted to beat you up. You know, it was it was a, you know, then it became not so much about the cold water, but the person climbing a lap.
0: <laughs> right, right. You know,
1: right. So you, you look at that, and it, that prompted the, the mindset shift for me. It was like, you know what? I'm thinking that I'm dealing with a hair I'm actually dealing with myself. And the only thing I can change is myself because I can't change what another person does.
0: Well, another thing that kind of goes along with the peer group thing is that fear that you mentioned, right? Because most of us have a fear that if we grow too much, we're going to grow out of our peer group. We're going to grow beyond our peer group. We're not going to have in common the same things anymore. And there's truth to that sometimes because you can outgrow the people around you. You can get to a point where they can't relate to you and you can't relate to them because you're in two different uh, worlds in terms of your goals your ideas your thought process and and you lose that connection and you lose that intimacy sure. that you had that feeling of hey we're on the same page we get each other you know so there are parents that are afraid that their kids are going to do that when they go to college that they're going to you know feel that they're too good for the parents or, or lose track with them you know there are friends that feel that way you know about people starting businesses or Going into new relationships or whatever. So growth, it can bring that um, fear. So, you know, I think people also have to decide what's most important to you, you know, and Mm -hmm. for me, you know, I decided that the most important thing for me was self-actualization. When I looked in the mirror, for me to feel like I was doing everything I could to be the best person I could be, to use all my talents and skills and abilities and hoping that the people in my life would support that and and grow with me and and we would still have that bond but realizing that if there ever came a choice that I was going to have to choose me because I've done it the other way around and for me personally it led to me being miserable and it led to me eventually resenting that person that I felt was holding me back that I felt was i'm only i'm only not following my goals and my dreams because of you because you don't have these ambitions because you don't feel comfortable with the goals that I have. They're too big. And you're like, why can't you just be content? How can I be content? Well, you know what? I I,
1: I, let me interject right there because you, you you're you hitting a lot of points that I wrote in my book. I cannot believe uh-huh. I'm, I, I, I'm almost feeling like you read it already, but it, <laughs> it, it's one of the things that I in, in the book, I talk about you know a, a saying that a lot of people have heard: "Misery loves company." But my brain works a little differently. When I when I say things like that, I use it as "misery needs company." Hmm. Misery cannot exist in a positive environment. <clears throat> Excuse hmm. me, it it can't. It cannot exist in a positive environment and it needs fuel to grow. And the only fuel for misery is more misery. And if you have if a person is not happy in their life, they want you not to be happy in yours because then it becomes, OK, my life's not that bad because somebody else feels the same way I do. You know, if we get that, oh, that person going up and up, up the ladder. It's like, oh, OK, I'm, I'm sitting here. And it goes back to that that third principle of hate. Okay, I'm seeing this person succeeding. I'm not doing something. Okay, I don't like them. You know, then it becomes the hater sensation. You know, so there's a lot of things that that I talk about in the book, and that's why I wrote it the way that I wrote it because it's a step by step journal. And I tell people in the front, the first chapter, chapter, read my book all the way through from front to back because there are a lot of uh, topics in there. I have a, a relationship chapter in there, and it's about forty some odd but a lot of people focus on that. Let me go to that chapter. Well, relationships is chapter seven. Yeah, I mentioned it. and You can read it and get the gist of what I'm saying. But if you didn't read chapters one through six, you w- it wouldn't make as much sense, you know. So I always tell people, read the book all the way through. And then when you get to that chapter, because I've referenced a lot of things in previous chapters, and then they're like, okay, now I see where he's coming from with that. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. You know, I I kind of um I had that fear about losing relationships. And then I began to trust that whatever I needed was going to be given to me. And if I needed a, a friendship bond or a romantic partner or whatever, if I needed that as part of my growth, it was going to come. So I was going to be able to, as people say, your vibe attracts your tribe, you know, So what I was doing now, the level I was on now was going to attract a new group of friends or associates or partners or romantic partners, whatever, you know, um, and and I didn't have to worry about that. I could just be on my path and just believe that as I progress, everything would fall into place. Um, and so, that and you know to you, you,
1: I- you, you shifted your thinking, you know, because a lot of times when we go from relationship to relationship, we carry that baggage around, you know, everybody has baggage. You know, the, 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 the problem is a lot, well, I'll say problem, but the difference is a lot of people, they have that baggage, and they look at it, but there are some people that look at it and keep opening it you know why do you keep going back to it you know because it, you have that that fear that it, it just it re- re- resonates in your head. i'm afraid they're going to do this to me because i had this done in the past uh, and, and you have to you have to kind of let that stuff go particularly in relationships it doesn't have to be romantic it can be platonic as well you know you you have to look at it like well is this person exhibiting the same traits as the last person If they are not, why are you still holding them accountable for what another person did? You know, so you have to kind of adjust yourself a little bit. And that's one of the things I talk about in in that chapter is you can fix a lot of relationship problems by doing something all by yourself. You know, because there are four principles that I talk about as as uh, as it pertains to relationships, trust, honesty respect and self-discipline and if you balance those things out in in, in with each other there is no reason the relationship cannot succeed but if you think about it those four things are all they are developed by you it has nothing to do with the other person you know you have to be honest with yourself you have to trust another person you have to have the self-respect or the the respect for that person and then you have to have the self-discipline to do what you need to do and if you put those things together, the relationship is going to work. But what happens is one of those one or more of those four principles becomes devalued. And who devalues those things? You do. The person doesn't do it. You do it.
0: Yeah. Um. You know, to me, growth is a choice. And when you decide to grow, there are consequences for it, but there's also rewards for it and there's consequences for not growing, you know? So, um, you know, people who stay stagnant, there's consequences for that. You know, regret can be a consequence. Losing out on opportunities can be a consequence, you know, losing out on relationships even can be a consequence, you know, and, and just a lack of fulfillment in life, you know, can be a consequence Mm -hmm. of misery consequences so and and growth has challenges you know you have to make some sacrifices you have to move out of your comfort zone you know you may lose some people you may be misunderstood you know um i think it was uh ralph waldo emerson who said to be great is to be misunderstood because
1: yes. when you move out of that funny thing to me i you, you have to make a decision, you know, what are you going to yeah. do? You know, you, and to me, I look at it this way. Decisions in themselves are very simple. You're either going to do it or you're not. Yeah. <laughs> the problem that we most, we have usually is dealing with the consequences for our decision. And what I tell people, what I tell people, my daughter this the same way. If you, if you're looking to a decision, you look at all of the possible outcomes that you can think of and if you can live with every one of those possible outcomes continue with your decision but if you can't live with even one of those possible outcomes make the other decision because you don't you can control the action but you cannot control the consequence for the action because that doesn't come from you <laughs> but the action yeah. is totally yours
0: <laughs> that's true so I want you to tell the people where to find your book, what the name of your book is and, and anything else that you want to tell them about it. And then about you as you know, a person, if, if there's any services that you offer so people can know, you know what you have, possibly if there's something beyond the book.
1: No, absolutely. I, my, my, the title of my book is Don't Gamble on Life Improvement until you shift the odds. And it, a lot of people have, I'm going to cover my face for a second so people can see it. But, uh, a lot of people, they focus on the dice that are on the, on the, uh, on the, uh, cover and they automatically think it's by, it's about gambling. It really isn't. There is a lot of symmetry that goes into this, uh, this, the, the cover of this book. The, the dice, they represent the gamble that we take on fixing our life, you know. And if you look at it, I can tell you that the dice look like they look like they are falling off the cliff. And the reason I say it, I, I did that was what we do a lot of times is we roll the dice off a cliff and hope that they land on a seven at the bottom. When you can actually take the dice, roll it right down at your feet and you can see you don't have to hope. That they landed on the seven because it's much closer to your feet than they are at the bottom of a cliff, so that's it's kind of a metaphor the way that I wrote it the the title it's don't try to fix your life until you first fix your mind and that's what that's where the title of the book comes from it's on uh it's on amazon it's uh on all of the major platforms for uh for books and things like that, but it's also, uh, you can get a free sample. I actually have the first two chapters of the book on my website. So if uh, if you go to uh, com, I always emphasize my middle initial because the creator of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is also named Kevin Eastman and that's not me. So (laughs) I always have people put Kevin E Eastman on there. That's my website. You can find out a lot of things about me, what I do because, um, I'm also a, uh, a business management consultant that I try to help businesses identify things where they can they can uh, improve their operations. You know, I'll look at things in a, in a in a objective way and say, hey, this is what I see. And here's some suggestions that can help you take your business to the next level, you know. Um, Coaching, I have life coaching, I can do that as well if people wanted to do that. Um, I, I have experience in that, a lot of experience in a lot of different things, you know, because overcoming adversity gives you a lot of education that you can't get in, in, a, in a school book. You know, there, I've, I've been a drill instructor in the Air Force, you know, I had to wear different hats, you know, being a drill instructor and a recruiter, you have to be boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, pastor, counselor, you have to wear all these different hats because never know what a person that wants those things in in coming into the Air Force is looking for. So you have to be able to observe people and listen to what they're looking for and find ways to help them achieve what they want. So those things like that, I love talking to people, it's just, it's fun you know, to, to share what I know and learn from them. Because one of the things I always talk about, you can learn something from anybody you meet. You can learn what to do or you can learn what not to do, you know. And, and, and one of the things when I, I talk uh, with young people through my uh, fraternity, I actually tell them uh, everybody you meet has taken a, their own unique journey to get to where they are. But anybody you meet can be holding the information you need to get you to where you want to go. Your job is to find them. And the only way you're going to do that is to talk to people.
0: That's true. That's true. You can learn a lot through conversation. You can learn a lot through reading. You know, so I I'm glad that you told us about your book. So. Um, the people who are listening, you guys can, you know, check out his website. You can listen to the first two chapters or actually read the first two chapters of his book, you know, go to his platforms and 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 get the book. You know, I do have two books um on Amazon and in several bookstores around the Houston area. One is called Zenergize Your Life, which is a guided journal. And then I have my memoir, Plenty of Guppies and Other Dating Misadventures, which is not just a dating book, it's basically a life book, but it talks about a lot of experiences that I've had in the last seven years. And, you know, changing my life, changing my mindset, growing as we've been talking about um, that process of growth and trying to live our best lives. So I want to thank everybody who's been tuning in with us. You know, we've been talking about growth today, and I hope that we gave you some inspiration to push through those obstacles, those challenges, those barriers, not make the same mistakes um, and to just live your
1: best life. And may you walk in Zenergy. Have a great night. Zen O'Shea, a newly divorced
0: 43-year-old Southern woman, wanted a fresh start. She'd heard there were plenty of fish to choose from in the modern dating pond. What she discovered were plenty of guppies, exactly 101 of them. The result? A provocative, transparent, raw, and delightfully uncensored account of her experiences with the 101 men she encountered on her journey to find the one. In Plenty of Guppies, Zen spills all the tea on dating psychology, relationships, and self-discovery while giving readers a rare glimpse into the life of an award-winning artist and best-selling author. The book is an enlightening narrative that explores gender roles and identity outside of societal expectations. Zen has written a refreshingly mature modern-day epic of online dating, layering her personal story with erotic poetic verses and passionate prose that frame her journey toward rebuilding a life as a single woman and adjusting to both an empty nest and boomeranging children. (music)